Ladies and gentlemen, you're rocking with a goat. Ken Dow giving you motivation for growth. Two toes down, he keep it realer than most. He do it for the culture, that's always the goal. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? You tuned in to another episode of Strategic Moves. I'm your host, Ken Dow. This is a place where we bring art, culture, politics, and business all together, and we do it every Sunday right here on this channel. But when I'm not shooting this channel, I am the president and owner of Strategic Resources. We are a political, governmental, and public relations firm right here in the city of Cleveland. I've been doing it right here for over 25 years, and this show gives me an opportunity to bring some of my friends and people I've met over the years together so that we can share some of our experience with you, and hopefully there's something that you can get from that, whether it'll help you in your personal life or your business now. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, what I need you to do is hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, and hit the notification bell as well so that you will know the next time we got one of these programs coming up. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about art and culture, and we're going to do that with a good friend of mine who I've known for several years. Our kids went to school and grew up a little bit together during that process. And he is someone who's going to come and share some of his experience with us. He's none other than Mr. Daryl Sullins. And if you don't know who he is, check out this little video we got on. You. Find out. Nope. <laughs> Hold on. Pump the brakes. That's me, Daryl Sullins Sr., being challenged by my son who thinks I can no longer break bricks. Well, who is Daryl Sullins? I'm a business owner, a husband, a father, a Papa D, motivational speaker, life coach, world-class karate champ, and a karate hall of famer, which means I have a very particular set of skills, skills I've acquired over a very long career. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about. So let's rewind. I'm about to strike these bricks. But to break them, what is my focus? You may think it's hitting the top brick as hard as I can, but no. My focus is on the foundation, the bottom brick. If I send all of my focus and energy to the bottom brick, all the bricks will break. Why? Because I focus on what was important, the foundation. That's the foundation. Got it? Back to the challenge. Oh! Oh! Alright, let me ask you guys a question. If you apply the same principles in your relationship, in your business, how successful will your business be? Hi, I'm Daryl Sutter Sr., co-owner of No Negation. See, oftentimes we forget the principles that got us where we are and helped us become successful in our business. Apply the same principles in your business as you do in relationship, and you'll be successful. A lot of times we forget the three principles, character, value, and standards. If you falter in any one of those areas in your relationship, I don't have to tell you how bad that relationship will be. But if you apply those same things in your business and you forget about either one of those three, your business will not grow. All right, all right. So, everybody, I would like everybody, let's welcome Mr. Daryl Sullins to our program. Give him a big welcome. Uh, Mr. Sullins, Mr. Sullins, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, man, I am great, and I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here, man. It's a good time for you. Um, one of the things that um, I want you to kind of tell everybody a little bit about your background before we get started, then I want to going y'all excuse me while i fix a couple things here but go ahead mr sullins tell us are you from you know in my show one of the things i like to do is i always got to figure out where are you actually from cleveland and your family from cleveland you grew up here what's your story man man i am born and raised in c-town 
Oh I am my from God! Cleveland. Okay, you are yes, from sir. here. This is your hometown, and all of that. Oh man! And we moved several places. And I used to live in the Glenville area. Well, you know what? I'm gonna give me one of them air horns, Libby. <laughs> I keep telling you, I need my air horn. That's the first place. Yeah. Everybody who comes on my show for some reason or another end up going through Glenville, man. For yeah. some reason, how long you lived in Glenville? I went to middle school, or back in that day, it was junior high school, okay. at the old Glenville FDR. Wow, okay, yes. Yeah, yes. and then we moved, okay. and on Woodside, and I went to Patrick Henry. Oh, okay, you still in the hood? And then I moved again. Mm -hmm. We moved in the Lee Harvard area, and I okay. went to Elliott. Oh, then you went all the way across. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, uh, I went to high school at John F. Kennedy, okay. graduated in 1979. Okay, you went to Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. And you grew up on that side of town. Yep. Okay, it was brothers and sisters? Yep, I had four sisters. Four sisters, you was the only brother? The only son. Really? Yeah, I was the favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> and people say, you're the only son. Right. I said, then there's no argument. Oh, was you the oldest, <laughs> youngest? I'm the second oldest. Second oldest? Yeah. Okay. Well, how was that growing up over there in those days? It was good. I didn't hang around my sisters. No, <laughs> I imagine not, right? Huh? Yeah, you know, I was busy working. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a hustler, man. Yeah. Yeah, go out, stand at the grocery store. Can I help you mm -hmm. carry your bags? And, you know, I mm -hmm. did it for money, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I wanted to buy stuff. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, my mother and father divorced when we was young. Okay. And um, I wanted to help out, you know, in one so way. You was living with your mom. Mm hmm. So that means you was the man in the house, I imagine, at that no, point. I thought so. Like, well, yeah, yeah, actually, you were, because I guess, so to speak, right? Yeah. So that was good. So no, I was in the same situation. I lived, I was the only male in my household. Okay. Lots of women. You know, so I, I totally understand that. So high school was good, huh? High school, it was good. I didn't know how good it was. And once you get back mm -hmm. out of high school and you look mm -hmm. back, you say, man, that was a great time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I kind of struggled in, in school. Yeah. Um, I had a low self-image, you mm -hmm. know, uh, self-imposed barriers. I, I bought into what people told me that you mm -hmm. weren't good enough, fast enough, strong enough, educated mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. And um, I had that self-image. And if I can find this teacher today, I will hug her, Miss mm -hmm. Gardner. And I remember in, in, it might have been in, in my junior year at Kennedy. She was talking about college and stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to college. Mm -hmm. This woman stopped the class, took me out of there and spent about 15 minutes mm -hmm. explaining to me, pouring into me, mm -hmm. the, you know, the benefits of going to college, how it would help me. Mm -hmm. And I was emphatic about it. I'm not going. Mm -hmm. But the reason I said that, because I didn't think I could, could manage. I didn't think I belong there. I didn't mm -hmm. think I was uh, smart enough mm -hmm. because I bought in. To what society was telling me mm -hmm. as an african-american man especially at that time mm -hmm. you know i bought into that so i didn't think that i was smarter than the people around me so you didn't play any sports in school and none of that stuff yeah i did i ran track okay yeah and was you pretty good at track i was pretty good at track running but i i ran track to get in shape for my primary sport that's why i ran okay what was your primary sport martial arts karate oh yeah. so how long did you do karate i started at the Corey Recreation Center on Drexel. Oh, okay. Free classes Back there. in Glenville again. Oh, yeah. Where my horns. <laughs> okay. You know, they had judo, they had taekwondo, they had kung fu. Mm -hmm. They Whatever type of class they had there, mm -hmm. I jumped into it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. You know, I grew up over there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Glenville. That's why I, I keep sounding my horn because yeah. I, I, I lived in that neighborhood. I, I I swam at Corey Recreation yeah. Center. I did all the activities up at Corey. Actually, Corey was-, was you there when Bodie yeah. was there? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was there. All the, that was our recreation center. You had the Glenville Recreation Center and the YMCA, but it was on St. Clair. I went down the Y. And I, I actually lived on um, between Superior and St. Clair. So Corey okay. Recreation was our recreation oh, center, yeah. you know? Almost like I guess it's the premier recreation center over there now, but it just don't seem to be the same, man. You go in there, you know, even when you go in there, you don't get the same kind of energy that it used to have when we were a kid going in there. And mm -hmm. when you go in there now, I can't imagine if the kids even get the same type of energy and feel that we would get. Because like you say, when you came in there, the people you knew that was behind the desk and right. everything, it was just that whole feel that I think somewhat is missing. And I could be wrong. You know, I, it ain't like I walk into Corey every day. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I kind of get that impression for some reason. You know? I got to go back over there for the little nostalgia to see it mm -hmm. again. But that was my foundation there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you started off in Corey. Yeah. 
yeah. And, and so you start off there. And and one of the reasons why, and and um, one of the things, reason why I really wanted to bring you on the show, and it, it didn't dawn on me until I started doing some research on you, was that um, your relationship with Ken Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, that was important to me because when I read that and I said, oh, man, you know, I forget about your relationship. And then it made it even more um, important to me to have you on. And, mm-hmm. and, and it really meant a lot for me to have this conversation with you because Ken was one of those people I really like. I had started me a list of what I call my favorite people. You know, it was Uh one day I just decided I'm going to do a list of favorite people. These are people, not just immediate family, but just people that genuinely I like because they're good people. Mm -hmm. You know what they do, how they do it, you you know, and they may not know it. So I started me a list and uh, I put him on the list and I actually told him to. I said, you know, Uh you on my list of favorite people because he was one of those guys who just never told me no. Yeah just never told me no, no matter what the circumstances was, no matter how difficult this deal was to get it done uh-huh. from anything, I'm talking anything. Um, he always did that. And, and so I always appreciated him. And and so, yeah, he was on my list of favorite people and I really hate to see him go. So I would like to tell us about your relationship with Ken. Let's take a few minutes to honor Mr. Ferguson. You know, when I, I get a lot of speaking events, um, high school, uh, uh, correctional facilities, you know, um, church and and I speak about my journey. He's often the primary focus in that Mm -hmm. because like I said, my self image, Mm -hmm. you know, when I moved in Lee Harbor area, they had classes up the JFK recreation center. Mm -hmm. And so I go up there and and I'm smelling myself, you know, because I've been in Corey recreation center, those Mm -hmm. classes, I get up there. And so I get in this class and I'm saying, I'm going to jack everybody up in here, man. That dude put something on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he put something on me and I was like if he can do that to me I want to know what he knows mm-hmm. but here's what was life changing for me after the class was over I'm in the in the restroom we we're changing in there he walks in there and he pointed at me he said you'll be good if you practice now I realized what I came from people saying what I can't do mm-hmm. and he said I could be good if I practice mm-hmm. first time I heard that mm-hmm. and you know and so I made it my business to be there and and allow him to pour into me. Mm-hmm. Now, just as you said, the things that he he's done, he was about Lee Harvard Cleveland. Oh yeah, he was about that. And yeah. and, and many people talk about what he did for it, and often didn't charge much or oh, no. charge at right. all. Right, you know, and he's gave us because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some festivals and people right now who still owe him money for festivals and events he done did. And and they never paid him. Or what was crazy is he the events were yearly, so hell they were so much in the hole they'd be starting next year. <laughs> oh, kid, he putting this stuff back out there. He's trying to get them. Can you at least pay me for? I mean, it literally used to be talking to me like, man, I at least want him to pay me for last year. And, right. and 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 he continuously did that for folks, and I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, and and the principles that we learned from him you know, in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually ran one of his schools. He had a school over in Euclid and he okay. had one on Lee Harvard and mm-hmm. uh, one of his other students, my best friend, Gino McCulley, mm-hmm. he ran that and we learned about business. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it's not just about karate. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes people think it's just kicking and punching, mm-hmm. but to bring me out of my shell, you know, to have me teaching, you know, gave me principles and, and, Things that I never thought I'll be doing because I didn't talk to a lot of people because mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. my low self image. And like I, I wrote, I said, my self image was so low, I was tripping ants, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I've learned so much from him. So, did, um, for a lot of our folks who didn't know um, about Ken Ferguson and people who don't know who we're talking about, give them some idea what he was. I know in your book you say he was your sensei. That's what, and I said, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, you know, and that's why I say, wait a minute. All right, he, this was his guy's sensei. So, I mean, that's his teacher. That's his guy. Yeah. And and I knew you, and I'm thinking about us like, well, hey. Now, I know Ken, and I knew uh-huh. Ken was a little bit older than me. And I knew where we were in our ages back uh-huh. then. You, for you to say that was like, well, Ken must was really a bad dude. And, and we may not know really the idea, but you started talking a little bit about some of his accolades. So why don't you share with us some of the accolades uh, that that guy had got? Oh, man, you, you better ask somebody. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about Ken. 
as a purple belt, which is, you know, about three belts in your training. That's mm -hmm. when he was teaching us. He wasn't mm -hmm. a black belt at the time. Mm -hmm. And in 1975, he went out to the United States karate team trials in Long Beach, California. Mm. He went out there with a guy that some people may know, like Billy Blanks, okay. you know, the Tai Bo guy. Oh, straight up. Yeah. And so Kim you know was what? I there. did see pictures of him. Oh, yeah. Right. You, when you said flash me back to his office, you, you're exactly right. Go ahead. Yeah. And so they out there together and Ken is winning. He's mm. winning in the team trials as a purple belt. Mm -hmm. Billy Blanks pulled him and said, look, man, you're a great fighter, but they're not going to let you on that team with that purple belt. So that was who you didn't say who it was. I didn't say who it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. OK. All right. I got you. And so. He said, I'm sure your instructor, Ron Shaw, won't mind for this competition. Mm -hmm. So he put on a belt and mm -hmm. he made the United States karate team wow. in 1975. Wow. And so when he did that, our mindset changed. Mm -hmm. That gave us another pinnacle to reach for. Mm -hmm. And so he competed on the United States karate team in Madrid, Spain, Egypt, uh, Johannesburg, you name it, he competed in Mexico, mm. Taiwan mm. from 1975 to 1992. Wow. Now, they wasn't putting him on a team. Mm -hmm. He fought to be on the team. Wow. And at that time, they wanted younger guys to get on the team. Mm -hmm. But he fought for that span of time on the wow. team. And so what happened was he raised our level mm -hmm. of and our mindset and say, hey, he did it. We can do it, too. Mm -hmm. He actually had six students to qualify for United States team trials. Okay. He had three students that made the team mm. and two win the gold medal in, in, at Pan American Games, me wow. being one of them. Wow. From All from Cleveland, mm. from the same school. Wow. And we're among, what is it, five of us was the first African-American to win a gold medal in the Pan American Games. Wow. Yeah. And he not only told us, instructed us, gave it a content, mm -hmm. He did it. So mm. he modeled mm. what he wanted us to do. And when made me a better student, a mm -hmm. better communicator, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, the things that he did for us in the Lee Harvard area and a lot of the kids, they, it's a, a, a crazy number of national, district, regionals, international champions came out of his school. No, he was a good brother, man. Yeah. I, I, I really adore that dude a lot. He, he did... Uh, even like the very first thing he did was my daughter, when she first had her very first birthday party, we was living in Glenville still. Uh -huh. And our front yard, man, wasn't as big as this table. And I remember I called him and asked him to bring over one of these bouncy houses. And he bought over a bouncy house and put it in the middle of the yard, man. It was huge. It's got the whole front <laughs> yard. But every kid on that street came and played on it and had a good time. And every birthday after that, even when we moved, because we moved out of Glenville, had ended up getting a bigger yard with a bigger house. Mm -hmm. And um, he would bring those things out there every year for the kids, put it out there, and he would leave it. He's like, can I be back in a few days to get it? Yep. You know, and just leave it. He said, you know, they're going to want to play with it. And, I mean, play with it. My wife usually would be climbing up on it. And play with that thing for days and days, and he'll come and get it. And that. So he was just a genuine good dude. And I read in there some of his accolades because you go into it. You used to go in his office. You see all of that stuff. And Ken talk about it, but yeah. he never talk about right. it. You right. know, it's, it's right. sort of like you see it like, well, Ken, why are you standing next to it with big old trophies? Man, you had to do something, <laughs> you know. You know, he'll kind of say that. that and, 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 and that was kind of it. But. I, I when I read it in um, the book here and the stuff you were saying and listening, I was like, you know what? He was a really bad dude. And I don't think people really understood the nature or, or the magnitude of what he's done in the community as well as internationally mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, to represent the Lee Harvard area <laughs> to yeah. let people know that that's what he did. And I thought that was awesome. So. Let's go into how that translated to you. I was reading in the story and hearing some of the things you were talking about. You said once you got going into martial arts, it wasn't easy for you. You said you was taking some L's coming in the door, oh, right, brother? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, uh, I went to the first tournament and, and you know, after practicing with him, uh -huh. did everything, said, and I lost, <laughs> you know. So on the ride home, I'm saying, how am I going to tell my mother this? All right. So I go up, you know, like I said, the steps, five steps, that seemed like a mile. <laughs> she walked in with that smile. How'd you do? I said, I lost. Mm. She said, that's okay. You're going to win. Mm. And so the next month, you know, go mm. to the tournament, you know, after practicing, okay, I'm going to win this time. I lost. Mm. That ride home, man. <laughs> I'm thinking, 
She asked me again, how did you? I, I lost. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Are you losing close or are you losing? I'm losing. losing. <laughs> and then the, the third time <laughs> I go in there, you know, I won a match. Okay. Then I lost within a minute. Mm. I'm mm. like, this is crazy. I'm Took going longer home. to get out here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you know, you got to pay to, to compete, Ooh. you know? Ooh. So I'm going home. This time I walked in the house. She said, how'd you do? I said, I lost and I quit. I can't do this. Mm. That smile quickly left her face. Mm. She sit, set me down at the table. She said, don't quit. You're going to win someday and I'm going to give you the entry fee, but just don't quit. Mm -hmm. And so when she said that to me, a change, mm -hmm. a switch within me. And I said, look, I started doing a self-evaluation. Then mm -hmm. I realized that I'm fighting scared. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to stop being afraid and they're going to start being afraid of me. Mm -hmm. And so, because I did, I had all the techniques. I'm doing the stuff that he's telling me to do, but I was fighting free. So when you say fighting free, what that mean? You wasn't aggressive enough? I you wasn't was aggressive timid. enough. Was... I, I didn't think I could win. Playing defense think... instead of offense? Yeah, you know, and these guys, you know, I look at their belt where I'm just a yellow belt or mm -hmm. a green belt, and mm -hmm. these guys got a higher belt. You mm -hmm. know, I can't beat them. That mm -hmm. was my mindset. Right. But once that, that switch flipped, mm -hmm. I said, they're going to start being afraid of me. That next tournament, I won. Okay. I had an 18-inch trophy. I went home. My mother thought I won, you know, the lottery. <laughs> you know, she's clapping and yelling in the house. I had that 18 inches right. trophy. I put it on the television. So when they watched the television, they were watching my trophy. <laughs> Man, I came home one day from school, look at my trophy, it was gone. Mm. I said, Mom, where's my trophy? Your dad got it down at the bar bragging. No, <laughs> you know? And he took it down to the bar bragging about it. So, yeah, that's good. But that's that's one of the principles I talk about, and and that, and that's scripture too. You know, uh, God didn't give us the spirit of fear, right? And I realized that I didn't have to know everything. I have a group of guys. We're friends today. They're my brothers in the martial arts. We all went into the martial arts hall of fame together. Mm. Uh, we traveled the world together, and we have a standard. Our group. We had the karate class, and there was another team called mm -hmm. the Flashers, mm -hmm. and that was the elite team within the school. Mm -hmm. And we held each other accountable. We did not let anyone compete below a standard. Mm -hmm. And if you did, you better hope that trip was short right. because you heard it. Oh. If it was like going to Atlanta, coming back oh, and we're yeah. driving, oh, you yeah. got it right. all the way back. Right. And we use that principle in life. Can you imagine if we did that in our homes, in our schools, in our church, in the city, held each other to that standard, said, uh-uh, that's not what we do. We don't do that. We don't think like that. We don't talk like that. Mm -hmm. That's not how we live. What, the accountability thing and, and how much better can we be? Mm -hmm. And so that's the principle that I learned through the martial arts. See, the martial arts and karate is a conduit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the end all be all. Correct. It was a conduit. The principles that transcend, whether it's martial arts, whether it's in business, whether it's education, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. it transcends. And that helped me tremendously. It's and a good it discipline. helped me to learn how to be a father, a son, and a husband. So let me ask you then, uh, how did, in that role, I heard you say you got your gold medal. Mm -hmm. How? Um, tell me how you ended up doing that. That seems like that was a big achievement there. Oh, my goodness. man! It was a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of competition. Like my posse, I call them Gino McCulley, Kevin Hurd, mm -hmm. Melvin Brown, Keith Collins. Mm -hmm. We fought each other. Now, these brothers are exceptional martial artists. Mm -hmm. And I actually, and, and I used to do this routine where I go off to myself. Right before I compete, I didn't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't talk to nobody. And I was getting in my zone. And they used to laugh and joke at me because mm -hmm. I wouldn't even talk to them. Because my self-image was so low, if I know this person was number one in this state or he's national champ, this, that stuff will start feeding into me, my psyche mm -hmm. and I will start competing like I did in the beginning. And so the, you had to go through region, uh, districts, regionals, mm -hmm. nationals, and then the team trials. Wow. And it's double elimination. <laughs> I remember vividly uh, in the regionals is other guy from the state of Ohio. Uh, we competing. He's an awkward guy and he beat me. And I didn't understand. I'm like, how did this dude beat me? Mm -hmm. You know, so they take the top two that moves on. Mm -hmm. 
So he beat me at the regionals. Then we go to the nationals. And then in the nationals, he beat me. Mm. And how, what happens when you lose, you go in what they call the loser's pool. Mm -hmm. You had to fight your way out of that. And then you come back to fight again. Mm -hmm. Well, each tournament from the regionals and the national, that happened. Mm. And I couldn't understand why this dude was beating me. And so we both qualified for the U.S. team trials, Glen Rock, New Jersey. We go there and we competing and I'm on my game. This dude beat me at the team trials. Mm. So here I'm you sitting. You just in the can't seem to get this. Dude. I can't get the dude. <laughs> and and here's what's 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 important. There's there's something that called edification. Okay. Like I'm here with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I bring, I said I'm gonna bring Ken Dow, number one man in the city. Got the number one podcast, strategic mm -hmm. move. I want you guys to hear what he got to say. I'm promoting you to my people. Mm -hmm. You come there and you start talking. And so they're interested because I promoted you. I edified you. Okay. But see, a lot of martial artists don't realize this. And if they did, their schools and, and it will be a lot better. Once I edify you, you uh, turn back the edification to me. Hmm. Because if my son's there and he has a podcast and he said, Dad, how does he do this? What does he do? How many cameras do we have? And I may know, know the answer, but I don't answer Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're the expert and I promoted you. I edified you. Gotcha. So I'll bring him up to you. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, Ken, D has a question for you. Mm -hmm. And he asked you the question. You answer him. Then he said, look, listen to your dad. He know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You return the edification. Now he said the expert said, my dad know what he's doing. So he's now going right. to listen. Right. If you do that in business, if you do that anytime you speak, that make a change. And what Ken did for me in that tournament at the U.S. team trials, mm -hmm. this guy kept beating me. And Ken said, he asked a coach when he made it in 1975, mm -hmm. Noel Smith. He said, what do you think going on with that? He said, tell him to come over here. So I went over there. And Noel Smith said this, you got those long legs. Use them. Use your legs. Set up the punch. I went back. Ain't got nothing to lose. I did it. And I beat the dude. Wow. So now he has one loss and I have one loss. Mm -hmm. Fight again, I beat him. I won the gold at the U.S. team trial. Wow. Be why? Because he humbled himself, mm -hmm. allowed somebody else to pour into me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and he was able to return the edification. Okay. And that's a principle that I use. Anytime I speak, mm -hmm. I go and I edify a person. Even if I don't know them that well, mm -hmm. if they got an association, mm -hmm. I say, listen to them. He's involved with the association. The association is helping people. Gotcha. You understand that? Gotcha. Listen to the mayor. He's here. He knows what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and the mayor turns back the, the edification. That's a process that get people bought in, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, I'm just dad. Right. So let me ask you a question because you, you you say a lot of interesting things and we we getting there. Yeah, you you were also in the military. Yes, sir. U.S. Marine. United States Marine Corps. So how long were you in the Marines? Four years active and two years inactive. Okay. So how was that? Did you do any active duty? Like um, saw any time or anything like that? Like war uh, or anything? Oh, I was in uh, my first duty station was uh, Okinawa, Japan. Okay. I chose that because I was in the karate. Mm -hmm. And because <laughs> <So, laughs> right. the style of karate I am, right. I was in. Ain't no better came place from Okinawa, to be, right? right. Ain't no better place to be for a karate guy. So I went to Okinawa karate, and there's a funny story about uh -huh. that. I get to the base, and then when you get there, it's humid. I mean, the door opened on the plane, mm -hmm. 17 hour flight. Mm -hmm. The humidity just hits you. They don't let you do anything for 30 days. So I get there, and while I'm on the island, I found out the Marine Corps have a karate team. Mm. Wow. So I was like. Man, I got to find out about this. Mm -hmm. So I found out the sergeant who was the coach. So I found out where he was stationed, and I went over now, there. Now, did you have your medals before? Yes, I did. Oh, so you're going in with, with, with uh, medals and everything. Yes, I did. Okay. And here's a principle that I talk about when I'm talking about diversity and mm -hmm. racism. I go there, find out who he is. I said, how you doing? I'm Daryl Sullins. I'm a uh, Lance Corporal. Just got on the island. I hear there's a karate team. Is there tryouts? Is there workouts? How do I become a part of the team? This dude looked me up and down. He said, we got all we need. Mm. And I said, yeah, but you don't understand. And he said, he pulled rank. He said, Lance Corporal, we got all we need. I was like, okay. So I go back. Two months later, it happens. Posted all around the base. Island-wide karate championship. 
you had fighters coming from Guam, Philippines, all over to compete at this tournament. At that time, it was the most prestigious tournament. Mm -hmm. So what I did, I entered the tournament. <laughs> so I entered the tournament. <clears throat> oh, that's I'm good. on the side. I had my 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 gi on. I had mm -hmm. my USA warm up on. All right. And I'm work. I'm loosening up and doing my thing. Guy walks by and he said, <laughs> "He said you were on US team." I said, "Yeah." He said, I want you to meet somebody. So he introduced me to the tournament director. And he said, um, you was on the U.S. team? I said, yeah. How'd you do? I want to go. He said, great. Next thing you know, I hear on the, on the mic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got a, a special treat for a young man just got on an island. He was on the United States karate team, and he won a gold medal. Daryl Sullins, and they clapping and stuff, and that haven't seen me do anything. All right. And so they um, reporters are interviewing me. People are talking to me. And one guy, he realized, he said, man, this dude, we ain't see him do anything. He said, do me a favor. I said, what? He said, please win. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I got the tournament, man, and I worked them. You know, they had, I'm doing techniques they'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. I won the heavyweight division. I won the grand champion. And I got the outstanding technique award from that tournament. Mm -hmm. But here's what's special. At the awards table, it was Mr. We Got All We Need. Got you. That sergeant there. Mm -hmm. And so when I got, he was like, pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, so I got my awards and miraculously a spot opened up for me on the team. Oh, well, yeah. All you right. know what All I'm right. saying? All right. All right. And so that's what I said. You know, don't allow anybody else. Limitation becomes your reality. Correct. And, you know, and so I always teach that principle that no matter what people think of you, no matter what limitations or barrier they uh, mm -hmm. uh, put in front of you. You know, strong beliefs triggers the mind to find a way to succeed. Mm -hmm. See, I don't care if my kids or people that I'm close to, the, the guys I mentor, I don't care if they aim high and miss. Mm -hmm. My problem is if they aim low and hit it, mm. you know. Okay. So we have to have that mindset. Right. And, right. and I learned that from Ken. So when you got out uh, from the military, you came home and you got back and you came back to Cleveland, I yes. imagine, and you got started. And um, you went to the gas company on the right mm -hmm. way, and you uh, East Ohio Gas at yes. that point, and was working there. And what I'm trying to get to, I guess, is that hey, we're going to hear more from Daryl Sullins. But right now, what I need you to do is hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. If there's something you think we could be doing better, let us know. And if there's somebody you think we ought to have on the program, let us know. See, all you have to do is hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment below. Now let's get back to Daryl Sullins. Where did your spirituality come in? Where, where was the moment? I hear the Kung Fu. You told me you were in school, so you, you had some troubles in school. You probably wasn't the worst kid in the neighborhood, but you weren't the best kid in the neighborhood neither. Uh, you was doing karate, which kind of kept you, and Ken kept you out of trouble, it sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, for that most part. But where, where, where did you uh, get into the spiritual thing? Where did that take place, your spiritual enlightenment? Yeah. Where did that happen? Yeah, because I'm an elder at my church, at Providence Baptist mm -hmm. Church. Mm -hmm. uh, Rodney Maiden is the oh, pastor. Yes, right. And when I was coming back from Japan, well, while I was in Japan, I remember mm -hmm. a sergeant came up to me. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. He said, well, what makes you a Christian? My bottom lips start going, oh, 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 <laughs> I believe in God. All right. He was like, the devil believe in God. Mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't have an answer. Mm -hmm. Coming back, we flew in LAX airport mm -hmm. in California. It's an old guy. Had a Bible in his hand, screaming, Jesus coming back. Mm -hmm. Get your life together. Say, accept the word of God and accept Jesus, you know. And and I was like, that dude crazy. Mm -hmm. Then one day I was reading the Bible several years later that I took out of a hotel. I'm reading it. First Corinthians chapter 11. It says, Jesus took bread, broke it, and gave thanks. Mm -hmm. And I said, wait a minute. I knew enough about Jesus that I knew he was God. I said, why did he have to give thanks? Mm -hmm. So intrigued me, and I started reading more. Then I asked myself, if Jesus gave thanks, who am I not to be thankful? Mm -hmm. So at that time, I got in the word, but then the word got into me. Mm -hmm. And it told me what, what I should be as a man, what I should be as a husband, what I should be as a father, what I should be as a citizen. And that intrigued me, and I started studying the hunger for the word. So let me ask you a question. What is it, in your words, to be a man? in today's world right so uh, what is it to be a man you know i'm a, I, I, I'm, 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 I, 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 I'm not gonna ask the question the other way because that that's so many 
crazy descriptions on what is a woman, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's yeah. just skip that. Okay. <laughs> what is what in your definition? What's a man? What dictates what should what is a man? What makes up a man? I, I believe that you have your vertical alignment in place. You know, God, family, you know, have that in place. Um, understand that uh, I'm here with a purpose the, to mentor, to be an example, to praise God mm -hmm. and bring other guys along with me. I believe in what God says and I stand on that. Mm -hmm. What he dislike, I dislike. Mm -hmm. What he likes, I like. And to be an example, because remember, he created man mm -hmm. first. Then he took from the man and created woman. Mm -hmm. And they became one. And so I understand that as a man and as a husband, I'm one with my wife. I don't rule over her. And, and a lot of people say, go to the verse in the Bible, say the woman is supposed to submit to the man in, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, mm -hmm. verse 22. Mm -hmm. But in verse 21, it says, submit one to another, mm -hmm. you know. And so my wife brings to the table things that I can't as a woman. And I understand that I don't always get it right, mm -hmm. but I understand that I can't have an ego because the ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Okay. You know? Okay. And so I understand that my wife is one. And so as a man, I must be able to humble myself. Mm -hmm. I must be able to submit to my wife all the time. And I have to learn my wife's language. Her language is, details mm -hmm. you know details she wants details i don't need that mm -hmm. and i struggle with this sometimes because like i'm here she's going to ask well who was there how many cameras they had how many mm -hmm. microphones did they had i don't need to know that stuff but to satisfy her i must speak her language mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a man knows that he must satisfy his wife you know that's interesting you had that i was having a conversation with a, a young lady who, who works with me on my way in here and uh, uh -huh. She was telling me that um, her boyfriend or now her husband always say that, you know, you just be not dream killing me, but always holding me back on the stuff I wanted to do and this and that. And she said, he's just want to just, I said, because I think men, we look at stuff differently in the fact that we see how we want to do it and how we want to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Women, you want to look at how to do it, how to write it down, all the stuff that we know we're going to need, but we ain't writing all that stuff down because yeah. we're too busy building. You know, we got hammers, we got screws. We we got this thing in our head that we know we need a hammer. We know we need some metal. We know we yeah. need some screws. And when we finish, it's going to be this nice box. But you, before you want us to write the box, you want us to draw the box, you want us to make sure. And that's that's fine. It might Your way might be the rest great, but we just interpret things differently like that. And I said, don't worry. I said, every couple goes through that. You know, she a young couple. And I said, that's most guys. I said, he, he's going to be that way. I said, so we just keep it moving. We're but, trying to conquer. Yeah. And see, it's, it's, we ain't got time for details. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and my wife needs that. She wants to talk about it. Right. I'm listening. I want right. to analyze it. I'm trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hold on, honey, you on page 32. I'm on page 25. <laughs> Just hold up. I'll catch right. up with you. Right. You know, right. Right. and that's what I want to do. I want to analyze and stuff. And I think because I'm I'm a visual learner mm -hmm. that helped me eventually helped me in, in school. Learning my style of learning is visualizing it, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm even doing math, you know, calculating the numbers, but I'm also visualizing it. Mm -hmm. And so as as, as a man. I have to understand that I have to allow her to use her gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to know it all. I don't have to fix it every time she says something to me. Sometimes right. she just needs me to listen. Mm -hmm. And a man who should be able to humble himself to understand that and allow her to be her. You know, and, but that's 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 sometimes could be very difficult for most men because most men is always fix it. So that, that that's probably why it's so much issues with that mm -hmm. let me I mean, we're gonna go a little bit off then we'll get back in okay uh, I have, I've, I've been on this thing with a lot of guests and we've been talking african-american males and therapy and reaching out and getting therapy and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and they said that you know african-american males don't like therapy and then they got into like the older guys like ourselves and saying you know some of you guys don't believe in therapy and this and that and i told them i can't speak for all African-American males, but mm -hmm. I can speak from my experience and I, I want to run it by you, but I believe that most of the African-American males who may need therapy or didn't go seeking therapy was because it seemed like we were always in a position of back to what we were saying, trying to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. 
So if you have a problem, you don't really have that long to dwell on it to the point that I need to go talk about it. I really need to try to fix it. Mm -hmm. Meaning that if I'm having a problem and it's just all I can speak on myself, if I lost a job or something and I know why I lost the job because I couldn't get my butt up to go to work and do what I needed to do. I can't spend, I didn't have the luxury of spending the time to sit back and dwell on what it is. Why am I just not this? It was like, man, you lost your job. The bills are still coming. You got to get up this time and get this job and go to work. So it seemed like you always were, in, in my case, it was fixing the next issue to try to get to the next point. So Maybe that could be why I'm harboring so many bad issues as I'm getting older, as everybody's saying. <laughs> <laughs> why I'm so mean and everything, as my kids and others might say. But that's kind of where I think. What's your thoughts? See, we hung up on the word therapy. Okay. Think about it. You go through something. You call up your boy. Hey, man, I just lost my job. He's like, really? Right. And you're talking it out. Right. What do you, you go to a therapist. What do you do? Right. You're talking it out. Mm-hmm. See, we hung up on a word. Right. We got to realize there's many ways of receiving that therapy. And, and we do it differently. Yes. Because just like what you said, where women may say, oh, girl, come on over. Let's send some time to get their wine. Whatever y'all going to do and sit back, cry by and talk about right. Brothers may be like, straight up, what you going to do? Right. I got to go find another job. You know somebody <laughs> hired? Yeah, yeah, man, you better go see so-and-so. Yeah. Because, again, we off to, you better fix this situation that you got in front of you to go there. Now, there's some guys who, as I say, who fall through it where they can't get it fixed. Yeah, it reminds me of a story of a guy sitting on his porch, and he's in the rocking chair just rocking, and he had his dog laying next to him, and the dog was going, and his neighbor was like, what's wrong with your dog? He said he's laying on the nail. He said, why don't you get off? He said, it ain't hurting bad enough. A lot of times we do that. We'll complain about stuff, think we're doing something. You know, we got to get off the nail. It's not about just uh, feeling the pain. It's about doing something about it and then bringing somebody else along. Mm-hmm. And once we go through it, you know, we mentor up. Say, hey, I know where you are. I've been there. Is that what inspired you guys to, um, well, we want to, I'm going to stay on this book before I get into your podcast. So with that, you know, you talk about the book that you guys, and you're in a book and what's the name of the book? Tim? The book is called the elite martial artists in America. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring up the book right here at this portion of getting off the nail and surrounding ourselves around good people. That book is a book of martial artists from all around the world. And in that book, it talked about, their experiences through various different parts of life. And your portion of the book, you talked about leadership, correct? Yeah, exemplary leadership. And, and tell me about some of the other stuff that's in the book before we get uh, into yours. That the, you, would you matter of fact, would do it? Tell me some of your favorite parts of the book. Uh, my chapter or in the book period? In the book period. Okay. There's a. We don't always talk about yours. Yeah. In, in the book period. <laughs> and, and I'm going through the book because it's 26, mm-hmm. 26 martial artists that it's a compilation book that wrote either in three sections, secret of life, business, or leadership. Mm -hmm. And one portion in the book in secret of life, there's this lady in California. She's a a martial artist, Mm -hmm. but she used martial arts to help special needs, people with special needs. Okay. And that intrigued me because my daughter has a cognitive learning disability. Okay. She's not into karate, Mm -hmm. but we were told that she'll, she'll never uh, play run or learn mm-hmm. like the other kids, mm-hmm. but we didn't buy into that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and while she was in high school, she ran track because I, I coached mm-hmm. track for a mm-hmm. number of years. Mm-hmm. She ran track and she was the MVP of the track team. Wow. You see? And so her chapter in there really touched me. And I never thought about using the martial arts all my years mm-hmm. in the martial arts and using it for special needs. Mm-hmm. She's doing that. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, that's why I said the book is like a workbook. It should be not just read just for the information, but mm-hmm. a workbook. Mm-hmm. When you read a chapter or you get a perspective out of it, use that as a teaching point. Okay. Um, the guy who owns Elite uh publications mm-hmm. is uh grandmaster jesse Bowens. the grandmaster you know there's 10 degrees he's at the top of the mountain and he owned the school for so many years and now he's focuses on the publishing and helping other people get their thoughts on the paper mm-hmm. uh it's a great organization because i didn't know anything about writing because matter of fact when he saw my content and, and contacted me i was like i ain't a writer 
And he said, that's why you have us. Mm -hmm. See, I thought I needed to know everything. That's correct. Do all things. And see, when you don't know what to do, you do nothing. What was it right in that book? Was it difficult? You know what? That fear that I talked about mm -hmm. came up again. But I stand on that. God didn't give me the spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. The difference this time, I have the team of people around me okay. that I can go to. Mm -hmm. Elite Publications and, and uh, Jessica and Natalie and Grandmaster Bowens. Mm -hmm. They are wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And they look for people to get their story on paper. They guided me along every step of the way, and I was able to do it. So um, tell, let's talk about your portion of the book, mm -hmm. leadership portion. So what was it, your inspiration and got you to write about the stuff that you wrote about? And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you wrote about? Okay. My chapter is temporary leadership, uh, mm -hmm. five leadership traits, five leadership uh, principles. Mm -hmm. uh, the things that, that I had to overcome, courage, loyalty, uh, integrity, you know, modeling, and a piece that I, I called in, in the, the kids that ran for me at Chanel High School in um, uh, Twinsburg and St. Ed's, they know when I say heart check, you know, when you're breaking through that wall of pain, when you're breaking through that wall of uh, difficulty, when you you hear in that small, still voice in your mind saying, quit, mm -hmm. you can't do this. That's when you have a heart check. I write about that in there. Let's talk you know. about a little bit of these. Let's talk about loyalty. What was mm -hmm. your... When you talked about loyalty, what did you talk about? What's your view on loyalty? Well, let me say this in the beginning. Loyalty, I'm not talking about blind loyalty. Okay. Following somebody that's doing something unethical. Mm -hmm. No. It's just knowing where the person is, what they're doing, and making sure that you do it and, and giving other people credit when it's credit is due. You don't have a lot of that today. It's about me. Everybody's thinking about me. Mm -hmm. You know what I've done, although they have a team, they taking credit. See, I don't have to have the credit, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so when you high on loyalty, people jump through hoops. They'll jump through mountains for you That's correct. when they know you're loyal because they can trust you, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. What, what what about integrity? Integrity. Let me tell you. Let me ask you this. If you're driving down the street, okay, in a car, and a person in front of you, they turn the left turn signal on, but they turn right. Mm -hmm. Ticks you off. You can't mm -hmm. trust that person, <laughs> right? Right. right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about with that. Mm -hmm. Being able to trust a person, mm -hmm. you know, they say what they're going to say. They mean what they say, and you can always count on them. And what is this tact? Is that what that is? What you say and how you say it. A lot of us ain't got no tech, you know, know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes a difference. Uh -huh. That makes a difference because people are apprehensive about sharing their ideals. You got a team of people. And if you're just going to blast them, you come out with a bazooka on them. Mm -hmm. They'll be apprehensive and won't share. It might be a great idea that not only help them, but help you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want. You want a team of people that's not afraid, good, bad, and different. Mm -hmm. So what you say and how you say it makes a difference. And I had to learn that in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect place to put that for sure. And what are the leadership principles? Oh, man. Modeling. Ken Ferguson, what he did for us, mm -hmm. he modeled for us. Okay. He modeled those things. And that's the biggest one. That's the most, uh, when it comes to mind, mm -hmm. you know, because he did it. And so he's not saying, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. You didn't do it. Right. You know? And then a heart check, like I said, you know, there's come a point in time that you you have to say, look, I got to do that self-evaluation. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to do that. And that's why when the cycle repeated itself, start coming around to my son, when he was told that he shouldn't go to a four-year university, he should go to a two, he wouldn't make it there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that brought back to mind what I was told. Right. And, gotcha. But he said, I didn't buy into that because I saw you. He said, I saw what you and mom did, dad. So I didn't buy into that. See, I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so heart check is something important that the athletes that I coach, the people that I deal with, mm -hmm. you know, look, dude, take a self-evaluation. Right. If a man puts his pants on one leg at a time, I can put mine on. I can get them on. Mm -hmm. If he overcame uh, difficulties, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's marriage problems, or that, if somebody else did it, it can be done. Mm -hmm. I can do it. Mm -hmm. When you think about the guy who broke the four four minute mile barrier, mm -hmm. before they were saying, "Hey, you you run be below four minutes, your heart gonna explode." Mm. Roger Bannister did it. Wow, 
And after he did it, you got high schools, schoolers that's doing it now. Right. Self-imposed limitation. Mm. Take that heart check. Interesting. Interesting. Also, so I want to go and talk a little bit um, as we curve around in this third. Let's talk about your podcast with your son. Mm-hmm. No, no negotiations. Let me get it right. I was saying it wrong. I was telling him I was calling his podcast no negotiations. And then it was like, oh wait a minute. I looked at it like that ain't negotiations. That's negations. So what? What's the title? What's that all about, man? Tell us about your podcast. Well, my son went to University of Mountain Union. Oh, okay. And uh, he played football there. And if you know anything about Division Three football, mm-hmm. they're powerhouse. Oh, Thirteen yeah. times national oh, yeah. champions. Oh yeah. He got a national championship ring. Oh, know? okay, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, he was pulled to varsity his freshman year there. Beautiful. And so, but when he went there, Mountain Union, you know, I don't know if you know Tony Fox, who mm-hmm. who went to, he was a coach at Glenville football okay. team. He passed away a couple of years ago, and and Ted Ginn, you know, they all poured in my son. Mm. And so he went to Mount Union. It's like a Division One school there. Yeah, over right. two hundred people oh, yeah. in camp. And uh-huh. he called me home. He said, "Dad, I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life." Man, he said, "This is difficult." I said, "Try the Marine Corps." Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so he got there and he started regressing in his mindset and playing. They mm-hmm. were yelling at him and he was making mistakes and mm-hmm. all that. And he flipped his room. He was mad and he realized that he's playing out of fear, just like me. Right. And so. He majored in exercise science. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing an internship at a at a f- training facility. Mm-hmm. And he had a client who wanted to lose weight. Okay. And but she came in crying because her husband said she couldn't do it. Her family wasn't supporting her. And he wanted something that not only motivated him, but his clients. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting in math class and they're doing the math and he sell this little squiggly line called a negation line. It means negative. Mm-hmm. So he was thinking negative he put no in front of it so no negations no negative no doubt no fear Mm -hmm. and so what he did he went back to his room he got some press on he took an exacto knife and cut out the no in that line and he pressed it on a t-shirt and people were like what's that and he told them and so they bought the shirt Mm -hmm. he took money back and he bought more he kept doing it Mm -hmm. so he he created a business out of it and he called me he said dad I got this t-shirt business and he explained to me what it was. And I'm looking at him and said, D, that ain't a t-shirt business. That's a motivational business. Mm-hmm. And so he eventually, he asked me to come on. Mm-hmm. And so he, we were doing that. We were speaking. We go to uh, Soup for the Soul, Fox 8 Soup for the Soul. We have mm-hmm. a booth there and mm-hmm. our apparel there. We, we went to uh, correctional facilities. We went to schools and we're mm-hmm. talking about that, getting beyond self-imposed barriers or any barriers that put people on that you can always achieve, never give up. And so the pandemic hit. So we're not going out speaking and stuff. And so he said, let's do a podcast. Podcast. You know, I didn't know. And so we started doing it. And then we got into it. And my daughter-in-law said, you know what? This is really God's purpose. And so we turned it. It made a shift. And to connect in real life situations to the word of God, mm-hmm. we take, you know, situations that's happened mm-hmm. and we say what God says about it. And we research and we talk about it on the podcast mm-hmm. and it's, it's very organic because you get what you get, you know, and based on my knowledge and based on their knowledge and experience where they come from, it works. Have, my son and my daughter-in-law gives me a chance to minister to them mm-hmm. and they help me with the technology stuff. Exactly. You know? Exactly, exactly. And so, um, we found out uh, a little over a year ago that we're in, we got listeners from several countries, Ghana, Africa, mm-hmm. Germany, Japan, mm-hmm. Malaysia, mm-hmm. and stuff. We had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, that it would turn oh, out well, like that. I don't that. know whether you were on the web. You, you know, know? <laughs> it, it, it was funny because when I, I first started doing my podcast, I was doing my thing and I was doing some advertising and pushing my stuff out there online and, um, this guy was talking to, he said, he looked at my stuff. He said, well, why are you only advertising in Cleveland and in Ohio? Because uh-huh. like, that's where I'm from. <clears throat> He's like, man, this is the world wide web. What is wrong with you? Man? This is the world wide web. Cleveland, Ohio. Are you? Yeah, he's like, really? I'm Cleveland, about. Ohio? And I said, <clears throat> okay, all right. And I did that. And that's when we went and got all the, you know, when I, we almost got 4,000 subscribers, I mean, almost 5,000 subscribers uh-huh. and, and pushing it that way, because like you say, you expand your mind to go bigger. Yeah. You know, that, that's good, man. I've been checking out your podcast. I was checking it out for some years before I did mine. I've okay. been watching you guys. 
doing what you've been doing and that kind of thing. And and, and I, I I think you guys have some really good conversations. Okay. And I, how can how can somebody get to your podcast? How can they how can they find you? They can find us on any streaming platform or on our website, you know, www.nonegations.com. And you on YouTube as well. We're on YouTube as well. You know, my son had the cameras and stuff and he put segments on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great, man. So let me, I'm going to close with this and I'm going to let you do your closing for it. But you also is coaching now. You're saying now you actually coaching and you got on your coach Sullivan. <laughs> selling shirt on the jacket yeah. today. And, and, oh, before I let you go, I can't let you go for us Kung Fu folks. See, I was one of these karate guys who grew up in the era of when Bruce Lee and everybody. So remember, the scrumpty dump movie theater. Or the Hippodrome downtown. You'd be in the movie theater. Everybody yeah, there doing karate. Man. Right, the movie going on. And, and what was the brother name? Um, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. Enter <laughs> uh, the Dragon, all that came yeah. out. So right there, everybody was doing karate. Used to go on Fourth Street and buy the go to the uh, Asian store, Asian store, and yeah. Go in there and buy all the karate stuff and there the stars, all yeah, that the stuff. Yellow, <laughs> going down that. there. So, so again, what's what's the what's the style, man? Kung Fu Karate. It's Ishinru Karate, the style that, that I, I trained in. Although mm-hmm. I trained in other styles, but mm-hmm. that's my primary style that I trained mm-hmm. with. Uh, Ken Ferguson, yes, yeah, a Japanese style. And when you compete, is that full contact? I, these questions I should have asked you at the beginning, but hey. I'm always coming up with these towards the end when I'm leaving before. I said, Wait a minute, I meant to ask you. Are these full contact competition? This is not MMA. Back in my day, no, it's not been, they didn't have that back in the day. Back in when I was starting, they mm-hmm. were still bare knuckle. Okay. They were bare knuckle days, and they came with the, the safety punches and the safety kicks. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on your feet. Now they wear helmets. Stuff. You know, it has changed some and it, it depended on the, mm-hmm. the tournament. And so what I do, I coach individuals after watching the, the last Olympics and karate debuted in there. Mm-hmm. They always had Taekwondo, the Korean style in there. OK, but the traditional karate was first debuted in the last Olympics and the United States didn't fare well. Really? And I'm in United States has some of the most elite fighters they are. And so I made a call and I said, what's going on? And the guy said, one, you ain't coaching, mm. you know? And and so I had to do that heart check. And I said, yeah, if I, you know, there's there's several people out there have schools, but they haven't competed internationally. Mm-hmm. So after doing some research and stuff, I decided to get off the nail. Okay. And so what I do now, I do seminars and workshops on how to compete internationally for Olympic style fighting. Okay. Yeah. So you 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 training too, or you just yeah, not like I did when I was competing, mm-hmm. but to get out there, I still move around. If oh, you, I know. I'm like, do you training people though? Like you bring on students and I go to other schools. Okay, and I and I train. Oh, in you the train workshops. at the workshop. Right, ah, you doing right. the workshop? Now I get you. Right, now I get you. And okay. so I've been asked to to do my school mm-hmm. again because I year, several years ago I was teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I had about forty some students that I was Ooh, teaching. Okay, and so and I was doing it at my house too. Really? Yeah. My wife's like, we got one bathroom and yeah, right. all these kids, all these in kids there. running in out here. But, yeah, <laughs> but it started off as a favor. It said, please teach my daughter. I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. Then uh, somebody hear about it. You teaching them? No, why don't you right. teach my kid? Right. Ended up 40, 40 kids twice a week. Wow. And so now I'm, I'm doing it. I'm out there preparing people for either physical fitness, uh, self-defense, or competition style competition. Excellent. You know, yeah. Excellent, man. You're doing it up, man. Like I say, man, you're an interesting guy. Nah. <laughs> Only interesting people make the show and you made the cut, brother. Man, so, I would say it. Thank you, man, for for allowing me to come on. I mean, strategic oh. move, man. I'm gonna oh. hit the big time, oh, man. No, brother, you good, you good, man. You were doing it before me, so trust me. I'm but I, I see the people that come on here, man. Mm-hmm. You doing it, and that's what I'm talking about, Ken. Getting off the nail. Mm-hmm. You you see some issues out there. You started a podcast. You're bringing these people on. You're having dialogue about it, mm-hmm. and then when you have that dialogue, people are doing it. That's correct. So I appreciate what you're doing, man. Oh, thank you again, brother. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for coming on yeah. the show. And like always, what we do, man, we're going to close our program out. We give you that camera right there. You get a chance to say to my millions and millions of viewers <laughs> all over the world that's watching us today, you get to talk to them. Tell them a little bit about what you want to let them know. If there's a website and information where they can get, please let them know. We always put that information in the description that you can find information about what Mr. Sellens is doing as well as information about his podcast and his website but also tell people that and anything you want to leave inspirational or whatever is 
Camera belongs to you, my friend. All right. Hey, what I want to tell you is, is have meaning, have a purpose of what you're doing. If your wife big enough, the facts don't count. I'm doing what I'm doing now because my daughter has a cognitive learning disability. We're trying to find a safe place for to work and, and people can take advantage of her because she can't, she doesn't understand stranger danger. So I figured if I build a business and she can come work for me, we have a safe haven for her and she can give vocational needs. So what I tell you is, is find your why, make it big enough. That's going to get you to move. You can find out more about me speaking, uh, training from www.sullnetimpact.com. You know, or No Negations, Facebook, Instagram. You can look me up on YouTube. Uh, if you if you want me to come out and, and speak to a group or uh, corporate, I'm available for that. I thank you and definitely tune in to listen more to this podcast here, the Strategic Move with Ken Dow. Great, great, great brother and family. Oh, thank you again. Hey, thanks for coming on our show and we'll see you next week. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow.